0: Welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Jen Hendricks, and I'm the middle school pastor here at Rolling Hills. In today's message, you'll hear from Pastor Jeff as he teaches from Exodus 11 and 12, the story of the Passover in Egypt. This story in scripture is impactful because not only was it a momentous occasion for God's people, but it also points us to Jesus's later coming. Dive in together with us as we learn from Jeff.
1: Oh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so good to be together today. Welcome everybody here at Franklin. Welcome everybody watching online from wherever you are joining in from today. I'm so glad that you're here and a part of what God's doing. We are in this great, great series. And you know, the Bible says this, that hey, this is the day the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And so I love Sundays. You know, we've got this great day here. We get to gather together and to worship. But if you think about our lives, there are some really fun days, and then there's some hard days, right? We all have these days. There's days when you're just like on cloud nine, everything's going your way, you're just high and you know, everybody's doing great at work, everybody at is doing great, you know, or things are going good at school, or all the kids are doing whatever you ask them to, your team wins. You have some great days, right? But then you have some hard days. You have some difficult days where it just doesn't seem like things are going right. But in all of our lives, there are some defining days. There are some days that you just go, man, this impacted and changed kind of the trajectory of my life. This was one of those kind of days. And and for you, right, or for me, when we accept Christ, as God draws us to himself and we take that step of obedience, that is a life-defining, life-impacting day. We are on this journey with the Lord, and it is awesome and exciting and amazing. Uh, For you, you can think about maybe a time when you met your best friend, and it was just like, man, a defining time. I mean, I have somebody to share life with and grow with, and or maybe you can think about when you graduated high school and that was a defining day for you, or you can think about when you got married, and man, that was like a defining day, I mean, that just impacted everything else, you were so excited, you still are, it's just been great, maybe you can think about, man, your life when you had your first child, and what a defining day, I mean, it's like, wow, everything changed, I mean, you're a mom, or you're a dad, or you're, you know, man, now a grandparent, or whatever, you just like, it changed Everything. Or maybe you can think about when you got this job and you still have the job today and you're so excited about it. It was like, that was a defining day. Well, in our series, we're going to see a defining day. I mean, that literally impacted history today. It is a powerful day in Judaism and Christianity and for all of us. And so I'm really glad that you're here. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 11. We're going to be in chapters 11 And twelve, But let me kind of bring you up to speed to get you there. Exodus, second book, you know, Old Testament, you got Genesis and Exodus. But we've been on this journey called the greatest adventure. And we've been walking with the children of Israel. They've been slaves there in Egypt. And and as slaves, right, the most powerful army in the world at the time, Pharaoh, I mean, they've been oppressing these, these Jews, the Hebrews. They went down with 70 people, and now here they are, you know, a million plus people, and they're crying out to God for deliverance. And God raises up this guy, Moses. And Moses, when Pharaoh says, hey, throw all the baby boys into the Nile. I mean, genocide was happening right there. And Moses' mom just says no, God has a purpose for you and puts him in a little boat and sends him down and Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And what we said that first week is this, is that he was born for a purpose. And all of us, we were born for a purpose. Every one of us in our lives, that God has us at this time in history in the family we're in, the place that we're living in for a reason and for a purpose. And God had a purpose for Moses, right? Moses grows up there in Pharaoh's household, but he understands, you know, hey, I'm not identifying with the Egyptians, I'm not gonna fall in love with the Egyptian culture and this polytheistic culture and worship these pagan gods. My heart is after the one true God, and I'm gonna hold on to him, and he gets the best education of that day, but then something happens, he has to flee, he runs at age 40, ends up in the wilderness, He's out in the wilderness, and he just thinks, maybe God forgot about me. Maybe you've been there, or maybe you're there. And God, do you see what's going on in my life? You understand the struggles? And God goes, oh yeah, and I'm with you in the wilderness. I was with you in the river, I was with you in the palace, I'm with you in the wilderness, and I've got a call on your life. And so the second week, we talked about God's call. God had a call for Moses. Moses, I want you to do something for my glory, and God's got a call on your life. And it's bigger than you. It's gonna impact family, it's gonna impact generations as you follow him, as you trust him, as you live your life for the glory of God. And Moses begins to make excuses when God talks to him through this burning bush. No way, God, you can't use me. I mean, I, I'm not a great speaker, I can't do this. So many times we do the same thing, but finally Moses is obedient, and he goes back to Pharaoh, he says, hey, let God's people go. Pharaoh says, no way. I mean, they're an economic boom, right? I got a million slaves, right? They're doing all my work. I'm not gonna let them go. Are you kidding me, right? And God goes, okay, I'll show you who's God. I'll show you who's God. And so last week we talked about this, how miracles happen. Miracles happen. And they're to get our attention and and they came to get Pharaoh's attention, but he kept hardening his heart, hardening his heart. And it's miracle after miracle after miracle as God just begins to attack the Egyptian pagan little gods and God's saying, I am the one true God, worship me, we left off last week with the ninth plague and it was this darkness and God just shuts down Ra, the sun god that the Egyptians worship and God just kinda closes off him, that sun god, for three days and in Egypt there's total darkness except for where the Israelites are, there's light. Pharaoh's like, uh, that's not a coincidence, I don't know what's going on here, you know, but, but then he still hardens his heart and then we come to the last plague, plague number 10, Exodus chapter 11. It says, now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people, the men and women alike, to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, this is what the Lord Almighty, this is what he says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at the handmill, and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or will ever be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So God says, here it is, the last plague, the death angel. Now I'm up to this time, right? I mean, most of the plagues were just to get their attention. I mean, the Nile turning to blood, right? You got frogs, you worship frog God, I'll give you a lot of frogs. I mean, then there's gnats and there's flies and there's hail and most of that's really hard but this is the first one where God goes, okay, you killed the baby boys, you started all this, watch this, the firstborn will die. The first one will die. And Pharaoh, you're gonna get that I'm God and you're not. So look down at chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is kind of the defining chapter for the Jews and Judaism still today, right? They will read this chapter. Here it is. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. God's going, what's gonna happen? This day is gonna change the entire calendar for you. It's gonna be the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. So God says, here it is, this first month, the 10th day, this is when it's gonna happen. The 10th day, I want you to go and I want you to get a lamb. I want you to get a lamb and I want you to bring it in your house as a family. You know, God's about family, right? I want you to have this family meal together. I want you to get a lamb. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, then they must share one with the nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. Now we know from Josephus that it was ten people per one lamb. So our God's all about community, right? You're a single adult, great. Join in the community, right? You only have a couple of kids, or you come join in the community. Your parents living far away, come join in the community. But get in a house, ten people, one lamb come together, and the animals you choose must be a year old male without defect. And you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So he's like, you pick your lamb on the 10th, you bring it in, but on the 14th day, the 14th day, you sacrifice that lamb. And then you are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with the bitter herbs and the bread made without yeast. So he says, I don't want you to take the time to put yeast in the bread, because why? It takes time for it to rise. So I want you to to make bread without yeast, and I want you to have this barbecue, right? Cook the lamb, have the bitter herbs. I want you to gather together as a family. I want you to share this. Later on in the New Testament, yeast represents corruption, so don't bring that in. But do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head and the legs and the eternal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and staff in your hand, eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So God says, hey guys, get ready. You have this family meal. You take the lamb. You're all in the house but you guys don't just recline at the table. I want you to take your robe, tuck it in, put sandals on, get a staff, because you're getting ready to be free. I'm getting Pharaoh's attention tonight. You're getting ready to walk out of Egypt. You're getting ready to walk out of being slaves. You're gonna be delivered tonight. Look at verse 12. On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals and I will bring judgment on all the gods, little g, right? All the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. Notice that, Passover. I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate For generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days, you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. Forever, eat anything with yeast on it from the first day to the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly. And another one on the seventh day, do not work at all on these days except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread because it is on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. Guys, this day is still celebrated today. 3,400 years later. The Jewish people, right, 2021, on March 27th through April 4th, celebrated Passover, celebrated the feast of unleavened bread. They came together together on this day that happened 3400 years ago. Skip over to verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and he said to them, go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood of the basin and put some of it, the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out your door or your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land, to strike down the Egyptians. He will see the blood on the tops and the sides of the door frame and will pass over those doorways. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and to strike you down. Lund. Verse 29 At midnight. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on the throne, to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead that one night. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people. You and the Israelites go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go and also bless me. Pharaoh's like, He's God, I'm not. He's sovereign, he's in control, I'm not you, go. Skip down here. And it says, the Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it through their shoulders and kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. God says, I'll make sure you get paid for all that slave labor you did. I'll make sure you get all of that back. And so they ask, and they take this gold and the silver and all the cloth. Now, why did God say that? I mean, they're going through the wilderness, right? They're gonna head out. Why did God? Because he knows later on they're gonna build the tabernacle. We'll see that in a couple weeks. We'll have a place of worship the gold, the cloth, all that comes right here from the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, and there were about, look at this, 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, also large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. Many historians believe we're looking at two to three million people can you imagine two or three million people walking out of a country? I mean, this is one of the biggest historical events of all time, coming out of this country, going across the wilderness to the promised land. God delivering his people. Verse 40, now the length of the time the Israelite people who lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years, to the very day, the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil and to honor the Lord for generations to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, there are regulations for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave that you have brought may eat it after you have circumcised him. But a temporary resident or hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. Look at that, do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. And then the last two verses, verse 50. All the Israelites did what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, and on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. Wow! On that very day, two to three million people walked into freedom. They were slaves. They had no help or no hope, and God delivered them on that very day. Guys, this is amazing. Sometimes we kind of look and we go, well, that's Old Testament, right? And and we're we're in the New Testament times, but you know Testament means covenant. And what you see right here is the relationship between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. What you see right here changed the world and changed Judaism, but also changed every one of us. And I want you to see that as we unpack this today. If you have a Worship God with you, you wanna take some notes, I'd love for you to write some things down. If you're online, you can go to the Rolling Hills app and fill in some blanks, but this is so powerful and I don't want any of us to miss it today. Check this out, God delivers his people. God delivers his people. Notice this, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Look at that, take a lamb. Notice, it wasn't Moses who delivered the people, but God. See, a lot of times we'll look at the Old Testament and go, man, there's some great people, there Moses and Abraham, and you, know, you look at these people and David and Solomon. But the Old Testament is not about these men, it's about God. <laughs> Everything in here is to give glory to God. Everything in here is leading up to the Messiah who will come and point us to a God who delivers us, who gives us a hope and a future. God delivered the people. Don't miss that. See, what happens a lot of times in our lives is we go, you know what, you know, somebody came through at the right time in my life. I was going through a difficult time, I was going through a struggle, I was going through a financial crisis or a relational time and somebody just showed up. But don't miss that God's using that person in your life. Don't miss that God is working in you. That God has a plan for you. Man, it wasn't Moses, it was God. God did a miracle to deliver his people. And this same God still does miracles today. And I bet if you're honest and you look back over your life, you go, yeah, there were times when I was in trouble. God came through and I don't know how it happened, right? I mean, just just a check showed up or a friend came over in a time of need or, man, I was sick or, man, I was going down the wrong path and, and something happened. It's God, God's trying to get our attention, God's at work in our lives. God always takes care of his people. God loves, that's who God is. God always comes through. God always comes through. Now think about this. These people were slaves for 430 years. And some of you are thinking back to Genesis, right? Genesis, when God called Abram out of the earth of Chaldeans and says, hey, Abram, I'm gonna make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And Abram's like, I don't even have any kids. What are you talking about, right? Then he has a son, Isaac, right? And then all of a sudden, the promise continues from Genesis to Exodus, 350 years, and and now that one son, now three million people. I mean, you're just seeing this. But God also said, hey, your descendants will spend about 400 years in Egypt. What was God doing? He was insulating his people. He was saying, I'm gonna carve out a people for myself that I'm gonna bring the Messiah. They're gonna know my laws, gonna know my heartbeat. They stay in the promised land. They'll intermarry with the Jebusites, you know, the Hittites, all these different people that are there. I'm just gonna carve them out. I'm gonna hold them. But when my timing is perfect, I'll deliver them, and I'll take them back. See, in our lives, sometimes we pray, and we're like, well, God, answer it right now. Well, God, why aren't you doing this right now? God's going, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm at work. But I'm preparing the situation as well. I'm preparing the circumstances as well. You hold on to me. I haven't given up on you. You don't give up on me. God's like, I'm working in your life. Remember we talked about this. God's preparing you for what God's preparing for you. And in those times of waiting, and maybe you're in a time of waiting right now. Maybe you're in a time when you've been praying about a relationship. Or you've been praying about a child. Or you've been praying for for help and a job. Hold on don't give up on God, he's gotta come through. He always comes through. Know that. With God, you should never lose hope. He is God almighty, the great I am, Yahweh, who is with you. I love this Proverbs verse, right? Trust in the Lord. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So often we lean on our own understanding. I'm just looking at my circumstances and I don't know how it's all gonna work out. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. (laughs) He'll make your path straight. Guys, I got a plan for you and guys, I got a plan for you. I'm gonna make it straight. Look at this one. God is sovereign over life and death. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down Every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods, little g of Egypt. I am the Lord. God was patient with Pharaoh. I mean, you think about this. Sometimes we go, "Wow, God killed the firstborn, right?" But there was nine plagues leading up to this. There were nine times that Pharaoh hardened his heart to God. God, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. God's going. I'm being patient with you. I'm being patient with you, but I'm going to fulfill my will because I'm sovereign. Our life is in God's hands. Every day if we wake up and just go, you're God, I'm not. So God, what do you want to do through me today? Every day we just go, God, I wanna live my life for your glory. God, I wanna trust you. I wanna follow you. Man, that is life changing. Every day that I'm gonna be on this journey with God. God wants to do something great in our lives when we fight against him so often. See, God's trying to get your attention. <laughs> What's he saying to you? You know, you think about that. He's saying, don't, you know, bake the yeast in. You're going, well, why are we talking about yeast so much? And then these like, seven days, you don't have yeast. Well, yeast represented that corruption, that impurity. And, and so God's saying, hey, just take that out of your house for a little bit. It, and maybe there's this time of cleansing in your lives, right? We'll do these, you know, physical cleanses to get our bodies in shape. But what about spiritually? Maybe there's some yeast that's creeping in. Maybe there's some greed, maybe there's some lust. Maybe there's some anger or resentment that's kinda slipping into your marriage. Maybe it's in your heart or your mind and you're just kinda going, whoa, 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 hold on, it's getting a foothold in me, it's welling up in me and I just need to stop, hold on. And God's trying to get my attention and what is he saying? He's saying, hey listen, don't let that yeast come into your heart, your life. You're different, you're called, you're, you're set apart. You're holy, I want you to have a great marriage. I want you to raise great kids. I want you to fulfill your dreams and your goals. I want you to have a great life. You know, don't let this stuff come in. God's trying to get all of our attention. He's drawing us to himself. Can We trust him. Don't harden your heart, but trust him with your life. And we could be like Pharaoh in the story many times. God's speaking, and we're like, ah, God, I got this. I got it all figured out. It's on cruise control. I got my life. I got to know where I'm going. I know what up. God's going, come on. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. I love this 2 Peter verse. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Mm Mm-mm. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So often we're like, Jesus, why don't you just come back now? (laughs) Why do I live in this world that's broken and the suffering and and God's going, I don't want anyone to perish. I want people to know my son. I want you to have life to the full. I want you to experience me, even in the brokenness and the pain. I'm being patient, but man, listen, I'm at work too. I'm at work too. Hey, notice this. We all sin and are all all in need of a savior. We all sin and the blood will be a sign for you. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass Over, I'll pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. When we were slaves to sin, God sent his son to deliver us. Guys, go read Romans six, it's so good. But when we were slaves, the people are in physical bondage, but spiritually, we've all sinned. We've all blown it and we were slaves to that sin. But God sent his son. But why? Because we can't save ourselves. We can't, we try. We try, we think if I could be good enough, if I could do enough good things, maybe God will accept me, right? Maybe my good will outweigh my bad. If, if I'm a really good person, you know, then I get my check marks, you know, I get my gold stars right here. Yeah. But, but we can't save ourselves because it says we've all sinned, every one of us, and fall short of the glory of God. And if we're honest, we can look back on our lives and we go, yeah, been there, Done that, right? I've sinned, I've messed up, maybe even today. We can't be good enough or buy our way into heaven. I mean, Pharaoh had all the money in the world at this time. This guy is wealthy. He didn't satisfy. He was broken, he was lost. And in our lives, we think money's gonna solve all our problems, and yet we get more money and we still have more problems, right? It's just like, but we get into that mindset it's the God of our culture, it's the God of this time, and we fall into that trap. We all need a savior. We all need a savior. And this, by God's grace, is where you see the Old Testament the New Testament. See what happens? Jesus comes. And remember John the Baptist? John the Baptized is baptizing and he looks up, and what does he say when he sees Jesus? He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Woo, amen, right? The Lamb of God. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. The Apostle Paul, who, who grew up a Pharisee of the Pharisees, who was a Jew, he recognized this, he saw this, he says, this is what God was doing 3,400 years ago, but then he was sending his son to be our Passover Lamb. Look what he says here, 1 Corinthians. For Christ, our Passover Lamb, capitalized. Lamb has been sacrificed. That Jesus has come to pay the price for our sins. Substitutionary atonement. It means that Jesus died in your place. You got a holy God, you got sinful people, that's why God says take a lamb and kill it." the blood, right, will cover the doorpost of your home. Well, Jesus comes to be our atonement. Jesus steps into our place. Hey, praise God for that. Because of Jesus, we can receive God's mercy You know what, he relents, but we also receive his grace. We get what we don't deserve. We don't deserve salvation, we don't deserve eternal life, we don't deserve all that, but we get that in Christ. Through Jesus, your eternity is secure. Guys, this life is not all that there is. In fact, the best life is still to come. The best life is still to come. And it's all through Jesus, all through him. Accepting and following Jesus is the beginning of the greatest adventure. It's life change. It's the day that changed everything in you because of God's grace. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but here in chapter 12, when they share the Passover meal as Jews, they have the Seder meal, they still do that right today, and, and they read through Exodus chapter 12. But when we read through it, we begin to understand that our Passover lamb has come. And at the beginning of Exodus chapter 12, God says, take a lamb. Then he says, take the lamb. And then he says, take your lamb. You know what he's saying? Is it becomes personal. It's not just the community. It becomes your lamb. And Jesus is a way, but Jesus becomes the way. The way, the truth, and the life. But has Jesus become your way? Has there come a time when you've said, God, I've sinned. I've blown it. I've messed up. I need a Savior. Redeem me. Restore me. I receive Christ in my heart and my life. Because that's what this is about. It's about salvation. It's about deliverance. It's about hope. It's about freedom. It's about life. Think about this. The first month of your year it's in the sun. And the sign is the first month in the Jewish calendar, but you know when Passover starts, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it starts on the 10th day of that month. And you know what happens on that day? If you're a Christ follower, you have Palm Sunday on that day because Jesus comes into Jerusalem intentionally on that day. And he comes and people are waving, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Passover lamb enters into Jerusalem on the 10th day. On the 14th day, right, he shares the Passover meal with his disciples and then he goes to the cross and his blood is poured out for you and for me. He steps in our place. And then on the last day of the feast, oh praise be to God, the resurrection happens, that death can't keep Jesus in the ground. Oh no, that Jesus is alive. He conquers death and makes a way for you and me to have eternal life with him. And all of it hinges on the grace and the mercy of a God who would send his one and only son for you. Praise be to God. And so today, we wanna remember. Today, we wanna celebrate. And we come to share communion. The Lord's Supper. If you're here at Franklin, I'd love to invite you to grab the elements. If you didn't get them, there's some in the back. I wanna invite you to go. And if you're watching online, hey, go into the kitchen and get some bread, some crackers, some wine, some grape juice. But think about this. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he was sharing the Passover meal. Just like they had done for 1,400 years. He brings his disciples together to share the Passover meal. Except this time, There's no lamb. The disciples looking around going, "Uh, where's the lamb? We got the bitter herbs, we got all the seder stuff. (laughs) And Jesus is like, I'm the lamb. Because this is my body. And it will be broken for you. Now think about this for a minute. Without defect, Jesus never sinned, 33 sinless years. He died on a cross for you. Your sin, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. Redeemed, restored because of the grace of God. My body broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of Jesus. (laughs) And after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do you remember what they did with the blood? They put it over the door frames of their houses, right? So the death angel would pass over. Jesus says, I want you to take this and my blood will cover the door frames of your heart. So when the death angel comes, you won't die. You have eternal life in Christ. The new covenant, grace, Mercy, take and drink in remembrance of Jesus. For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is a God who is with you. There is a God who is for you. There is a God who delivered you from being a slave to sin and a God who set you on an adventure of following him. Your life is not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today. Maybe today is the defining day for you. You just go, you know what? I want to be a Christ follower. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. I'm not going to be good enough. I know that. I can't buy my way out of this. I need a savior. Jesus, come into my life. You know what, God's already drawn you to himself. God's already got a plan for you. And today could be that defining day for you. Maybe for you, today is a day when you go, you know what, there's a little yeast. There's a little bitterness that's building up in my marriage. There's a little lust that's coming into my mind. There's a little greed that's taken root in my heart. I think that money's gonna solve all my problems. Today, God, I just confess it to you. And God, I wanna be a man or a woman after your heart. I wanna trust you. I wanna follow you. God, I'm yours. I'm yours. Holy and completely, God. Maybe today there's a fear, there's a worry. You just bring it to the Lord. Lay it at his feet. God hears your cries. He will answer your prayers. God loves you with an everlasting love. Maybe today you just wanna worship. Thank you, God, thank you. Because you paid it all. So Father, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Draw our hearts to you. Open our minds to what really matters. God, we need you. Thank you for your son Jesus and the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you, Father, for what you were doing 3,400 years ago just to show us that you are gonna send the Passover lamb, the one who would become our own Passover lamb. You paid it all. God, we give you our lives, and we give you our hearts right now. We wanna worship you and respond back to you. In the name of Jesus, we worship.
0: Listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History, Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and the ways that you can connect. We're so thankful for you.